Hello, and welcome back to the Talk Nats podcast. My name is Kevin Nibley, and I'm joined by Brian King. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. It's just rainy Saturday up here. Uh, what are you up to? Not a whole lot. You know, it's uh, California's favorite holiday out here today on uh, Saturday, <laughs> Saturday, April 20th. What well, could that possibly uh, be? Yeah. <laughs> Easter? Passover? Passover. Pass, definitely Passover. A uh, very religious day out there. <laughs> yes, yeah, very religious. It's very spiritual. This week, uh, we were actually brought to you by uh, Jordan Stewart of uh, Keller Williams Real Estate and Next Move Network and Walter's Sports Bar. Uh, can you believe that, Brian? It's pretty wild that uh, not only are people actually listening to two slackers who uh, you know never played a day of baseball past, past T-ball, <laughs> but that uh, they actually want to pay us a little bit of scratch to do it. So that's that's real cool, and we're really uh, humbled that, that people actually have been tuning in and listening and interacting with us on Twitter. It's, it's super cool because... You know, yeah. we're, we're big super fans of the Nats, so we're just happy to be able to talk about our, our favorite baseball team. Speaking of our favorite baseball team, um, what's your take right now? I mean, I think it's uh, pretty obvious. They're a 500 team. They were a 500 team last year, and I don't think anyone has seen anything this season so far that has uh, indicated that the team is really any different than what they were last year. It's still the little things they're failing to do, and you know, the bullpen obviously has been a hot dumpster fire. I mean, Joe Ross looks like maybe he could help out there, but um, you know, you actually have to use the the dude. Yeah, um, you yeah. Know, he's been yeah. sitting on the bench for like two weeks, and you're like, oh, hey, look, remember this guy can pitch like better. Than maybe than Matt Grace, who's you know <laughs> pitching like every situation. Like, I know I feel like Matt Grace when he's not pitching, they have him refilling the mustard canisters at the concession <laughs> stands. Or so. I mean, this poor guy. You know? Yeah, give him a day off. There's like labor laws being broken with this guy. I'm sure. You, I, know? I, you know, I don't know. I'm just not convinced that that Davies really. Letting guys get into a rhythm, especially in the pen, no one seems to have a role other than Doolittle. So uh, I'm just like, yeah, it's no wonder they're they're struggling a little bit. Anyway, more fun topic: uh, nicknames for Victor Robles and Juan Soto. You know, you could go with the celebrity couple um, name mashup like Soblaze or Roto. <laughs> Roto. <laughs> that I, I want a Roto T-shirt. I think that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I like a plumbing a plumbing one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Roto Rooters. Roto Rooters. Um, <laughs> yeah. You could roll with the fact that they're uh, the two players in the, the team from Generation Z, so the Z-Men. Z-Men. Then you're getting confused with Ryan Zimmerman a little bit, maybe. I like D-Generation Nats, maybe like the <laughs> D because they're from the Dominican. I also have the Dominican Missile Crisis, <laughs> which is stupid, but I think my favorite one. I liked uh, Starsky and Clutch was a good one I think you came up with. Okay, yeah. Smells like teen slugging. Yeah, I'm partial to also the uh, Harper Who, too. That's a good one. I think that one's got some legs. So, yeah, if anyone out there uh, has any better ideas than us, please uh, give us a shout on Twitter, because I think that the, they really need a good, solid uh, a nickname here. Maybe that's what the team needs to get them over this 500 hump. Anyway, that's probably enough of us. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter at TalkNats Podcast and uh, hit us up on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, uh, wherever you like to get your podcasts. So anyway, uh, without further ado, here is uh, Britt Giroli from The Athletic. Thanks so much uh, for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, now, first off, uh, for our listeners who are just getting familiar with you on the Nats Beat, walk us through uh, how you got started and what led you to covering them uh, for The Athletic this season. Sure. Um, so I spent the previous nine years with MLB.com covering the Orioles. Mm-hmm. And uh, I basically was just kind of intrigued by the opportunity to 
uh, kind of expand the coverage a little bit. I don't do game recaps or, or injury reports. Um, it, it's more broader things, trends and features. And, you know, some stories I've written that actually don't have anything to do with the Nationals that are more general baseball stories. So um, that was something that intrigued me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been great so far. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, people have kind of joked around about, well, you left the Orioles at the right time. But it really wasn't so much about, you know, picking one team or, uh, over the other. It, it was really about the opportunity. And it just so happens that, you know, the Orioles are really bad for a while. <laughs> and the NL, NL East is going to be good and exciting to watch. Um, but, again, that was totally secondary. So it's been fun. It's been very enjoyable. Now, for a 500-ish club, it's been a pretty eventful start to the season. Uh, what have been your impressions of the team so far? Um, well, I think that there's some stuff to like and some stuff to not like. And a big storyline is that bullpen, right? Yeah, the worst yeah. in the majors, the, the fewest innings. But, um, you know, I, I think what's kind of getting lost, um, unfortunately, because they should probably have a better record as a result of this, is their rotation has been the best in baseball in terms of going deep into games. Um, so, you know, that was something that they needed to improve, and they did. So certainly I think there's been some upgrades. Watching Victor Robles has been fun. They have some positive things. This team is good on paper. This team seems good. Yeah. Uh, they shouldn't be flirting at 500. Um, in my opinion, they should be better than they are. Now, those first 11 games against the Mets and the Phillies, um, they seemed abnormally intense uh, You know, for the start of a season. Did it feel that way to you, or are we just being crazy as fans? Yeah, it wasn't even just me or you. It was the players. I mean, they yeah. were celebrating like it was postseason <laughs> wins with the cabbage race in Philly. And yeah. um, it was interesting after that one game, that Tuesday night game, I believe it was in Philly, uh, you know, when Doolittle's facing Harper. And, you know, we're kind of in the press box and we're like, holy hell, like this feels like a September game. You know, the crowd's into it. And, uh, you know, we get down into that clubhouse and you see the cabbage on the floor and then you see Dave Martinez and, you know, his voice is so emotional. It was, it was literally felt like they had clinched a postseason spot <laughs> and we're like, God, it's, you know, it, it's the mid April. So yeah, it's not something that just the fans felt or just the media, the players as well, uh, felt that, that those games were, were high on drama. So it was exhausting. Uh, <laughs> and I was just watching. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think as fans, we were exhausted. It felt like, yeah, you're mid-April and all of a sudden, you know, you kind of want to break from baseball already because the games are so intense. <laughs> but um, when Bryce Harper came back, um, the D.C. fans, who are usually known uh, for being fairly polite, uh, actually looked more like New York fans. They uh, they booed him pretty loudly. Um, did that surprise you at all? It did. Um, again, like you said, I didn't think of DC fans like that, but I actually, I kind of liked it, you know, <laughs> uh, people kind of rag on DC for, for not being a sports city. And, you know, then they go out and do something like that. And you're like, yeah, you know, the fans care. They're angry. They're into it. I like that. You know, so it's true some emotion. It's sports. I thought it was great. The bullpen has pretty obviously been an issue of we've been discussing, uh, being around the team every day. Is there any tangible panic or stress that you can sense? Or is that just really more of a fan reaction? Yeah, it's definitely a fan reaction. Um, we're literally just over the 10% mark. So it's not it's not something in there at all. Actually, quite the opposite. You know, players get annoyed when you kind of make too much of these early season games. Mm-hmm. You really try to not overanalyze. So I think it's important to realize that, like, yes, these games are early, but they also matter still. So some of the trends you see still mm-hmm. matter. Like, yeah. It might not be time for panic, but I think it's certainly time and fair to be concerned. Do you think the Nats have enough in their bullpen to compete for a playoff spot as it's presently constituted, or is it just a no-brainer they're going to need a trade before the deadline? 
Oh God, they're going to need a trade. Um, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I agree. I mean, yeah. I think even if you get Trevor Rosenthal right, right, he's a vital part of all of this because, mm-hmm. it, and I've written this before, even in games he doesn't pitch, it's important because he can't pitch in these games and they need him. Uh, you know, so other people are pitching in games that they shouldn't be in. It just throws everything off, right? When your eighth inning setup guy who was supposed to also close some games when Doolittle wasn't available isn't going right, then you have some problems and it's going to have a ripple effect. I think the way they're using Doolittle right now, they really need to be careful. He's on pace for 500 pitches more than he's ever had in a season. So uh, they really need to slow down Sean Doolittle, who's averaging 18 pitches per outing. That's a lot for a closer. You don't want a closer who leads the bullpen in in innings pitch, you know, in pitches pitch. You, You just don't want any of that. So I think they do need to go out and get another guy. That was a little bit uh, from uh, Britt Giroli of The Athletic, and don't worry, we have a lot more with her. Uh, But as we mentioned, we have a sponsor for this episode, and we're going to bring him in now. Uh, Jordan Stewart uh, from Keller Williams Real Estate and Next Move Network. Uh, Jordan, first off, uh, thanks uh, for sponsoring our podcast. Thanks, Kevin. It's good to be here. Uh, Now, what advice do you have for anyone looking to buy or sell a home? The more preparation that you can have, the better. If you can take your time and work with a professional that is able to guide you through the process. It's going to be the best situation for you, whether you're looking to list a property or purchase a home, um, either to live in or even as an investment opportunity. Now, we understand um, you've handled uh, some real estate needs uh, for some of the Washington Nationals players. Correct. And I work with the Centers of Influence, which is not just the player, it's also the, the spouse, the girlfriend, the agent of the player or the financial advisor that helps with the scope of of the housing need. Now, um, let our listeners know um, how they can keep up with you on social media, how they can reach you if they have any uh, real estate needs. Sure. So the best way to reach me is uh, my email, which is j.stewart at kw.com or on Instagram. I have a lot of photos with the players and that Instagram handle is at Next Move Jordan. Awesome. Well, anyway, thanks again uh, for taking some time with us and thanks uh, for sponsoring our podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin, and, and go Nats. Anyway, this brings us to uh, one of my favorite segments uh, freaking, tweaking, etc., etc. First up, Trevor Rosenthal. <laughs> Basically, uh, unpitchable. Brian, are you freaking, tweaking? Are you uh, making plans to go see John Wick 3? I'm, I'm tweaking. I'm tweaking, I'm tweaking, I'm tweaking, I'm tweaking. You know, if they had a, another eighth inning option on the team and you're like, all right, well, not every signing works out and you can bury the guy as, yeah, your mop-up man, sure, but there's no one else uh, on the team yeah. that really has stepped up to take that eighth inning. And so, yeah, and again, like he's in the pen. You're, you're not going to send him down. Um, you're not going to DFA him anytime soon. So you kind of got to just let him pitch through it and, you know, hope he finds his stuff. He's coming off TJ. Yeah. He's obviously, you know, got, got some mental you know things going on and just kind of gotta let him <laughs> let him pitch through it because if he can put it together then he's an amazing pitcher as much as i would love to see john wick three and, and i will go see john wick three I, I am at a full-fledged freak we can't have anyone freak out out there okay we've got to keep our composure i'm really not happy with how they've handled trevor rosenthal uh, you know some of the fan reactions recently it's almost like he's like 
Rudy from Notre Dame or something, <laughs> and people get excited when he comes into a game and only walks three guys and only gives up one run in one inning. And it's, it's I mean, all of a sudden, uh, the soccer mom thing is kicked in with Nats fans, and we're all just really proud of Trevor for only having a BB9 of like 50 or whatever the hell it is at this point. I mean, to me, it's obviously been a disaster of a signing. It's, it's pretty bad. Um, so I'm absolutely out of free. Dave Martinez, not always starting the best nine players. Are you freaking? Are you tweaking? Are you listening to Bob Seger's greatest hits? At the moment, I'm rocking some Bob Seger. I woke last night to the sound of thunder. How far off I sat and wondered. Well, <laughs> night um, moves. <laughs> yeah, I got, you know, like a rock. It's not like Matt Adams is lighting the world on fire. Howie Kendrick, I think, is, is probably pretty limited right now as far as how much you can really play him, and you got to keep sure. him fresh for later in the season because he's going to be a really, really important piece. So, you know, I argue I can quibble with his lineup decisions until more recently when he finally, you know, dropped Dozier, and I think he might want to drop Zimmerman. But again, who are you going to put in the four hole with Trey Hart? Your lineup is just thin, you know? It's not like there's some superstar sitting on the bench. Like, yeah, yeah. It, 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 your other options are, are not great, so... Yeah, I'm I'm between a tweak and listening to Bob Seeger. Like a rock. You know, I, I do think that he should go to more of a true platoon between Ryan and Adams. I think that ratio should be a little closer to even. Anyway, uh, that was freaking, uh, tweaking, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, now back uh, to Britt uh, Giroli from the Athletic. What are your impressions uh, covering Davy Martinez so far? And do you feel as if he's kind of on the hot seat this season? I've known Davey, actually. Uh, my first year, I interned in Tampa Bay in 2008. Davey was the bench coach. So I've known Davey for a while. Uh, super nice guy. I think he has more fire than people realize. Oh. Uh, and what I like, and uh, last year it was all positive all the time, even as the team was kind of faltering. Mm-hmm. Um, he, found, he found a better way to you know, get mad, say we have to get better at this. So I think he's done a better job in his second season of being a little bit more critical of the team. And that just looks better, right? I know fans got agitated. He was always so positive when things were going wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I think he's been able to show that side a little bit more, which has been helpful. Look, uh, of course he's on the hot seat. This is a team that was you know, supposed to win last year, and they didn't win. This is a team that's supposed to win right now. But with the way this bullpen is structured right now, I don't understand how people could blame Dave Martinez. Because yeah. there's nothing you or I or any manager in baseball can do if guys can't get out. So that's the part that, um, to me, I think fans maybe just, you know, it's, it's an easy target. Let's blame the manager for this. He's warming up this guy and this guy. Yeah. Well, there's been just, just nobody to get out. So yeah. uh, right now, I think people just need to cool it a little bit, see what happens over the next couple of months in terms of roster construction. And then you can kind of see, okay, they have these relievers now. You know, is is it the way Davey is using them or is it the bullpen? Right now, it's 100% a personnel issue. So I guess with that being said, would Mike Rizzo ever end up on the hot seat? Or do you think he's done so much for the team that, that his job's kind of beyond reproach at this point? I don't know. Because, again, I've only been here for a few months. So sure. I really don't want to speak to like someone, someone's job security. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but certainly the Nationals wouldn't be where they are organizationally without Mike Rizzo, right? I mean, he has been the guy. He's really been the identity of this franchise and kind of moving them out of those dark ages um, and into a relevant team, a team expected to win. So um, they have had bullpen issues in the past. So I can see how, you know, if they get past that trade deadline, if they're still struggling, if they don't make any additions, 
then certainly, yeah, then you start to wonder, well, what's going on here? Uh, but it's never just a, a one-person-to-blame problem. You know, it, it's very easy when the team doesn't hit to say, oh, Kevin Long needs to get fired. Well, Kevin Long isn't out there taking <laughs> it back for these guys. These are professional athletes. Sure. So I've always felt that, that fans kind of needed to sit back and say, well, why is this going on? And address it a little bit more yeah. uh, rationally. Although I understand it's sports, right? Sports aren't rational. Sure. Uh, but certainly if this team doesn't win, if this season goes like last year, um, I don't want to say heads are going to roll, but there's going to be some hot season. It shouldn't just be Davey Martinez. I mean, this is a team um, that, you know, if they don't go out and they don't perform the expectations, um, you're going to have to really look at serious changes because it would be the second year in a row. Yeah. And because you've already sunk so much money into this team that you can't rebuild from where you're currently situated. So Trevor Rosenthal has obviously been struggling a lot to start the season. Do you think there is any chance that he would accept a minor's assignment? He's not going to the minor league. Okay. He's not going to the minor league. He's like, I don't know how to explain this, but fans always ask this. And I say it over and over and over again. Like, these, these guys that don't have to go to the minor leagues are not going to the minor leagues. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just not happening. I, I find me an example ever where a guy elected to go to the minors. Do you feel as if Rosenthal's made progress over the last week? Progress, yes. But, like, to, to be fair, I would like to define progress for him. Mm-hmm. You know, was it better than what he did previously? Yes. Sure. Is there this huge optimism now that he's going to return to that guy? For me, no. Yeah. Um, I think he has to have one or two more outings where uh, he doesn't walk a guy. He doesn't miss quite as badly as he's been missing. You know, he hits guys a lot. Um, certainly it seems like that outing on Tuesday – Towards the, the end, maybe the last 10 pitches or so, you yeah. were like he was getting some good movement and you were starting to feel a lot better. The mm-hmm. first 10 pitches or so, you were like, oh, my God, this is <laughs> happening again. Yeah. So I think it, it's really going to come down to getting him out there at least one more time in a low-pressure situation. And then I think you have to gamble. I think you have to roll the dice at some point and put him in a situation that's semi-meaningful and see how he responds. You've got to take the kid gloves off and say, all right, Trevor, we, we need you now. Yeah. And if you can't get it right, eventually you're going to have to cut bait. And I know, as fans have pointed out, maybe he figures it out and he goes to another team. That's fine, but you also can't operate through a stretch like they're in right now with one off day in 26 days, burning a spot in the bullpen for a guy that you just can't use. That was a little bit uh, from Britt Jirole, and uh, we'll be back with her in just a second. But we have another sponsor we want to tell you about, uh, Brian. Yeah. So Walter's Sports Bar is Navy Yard's newest restaurant just steps from the Centerfield Gate at the intersection of South Capitol Street and N Street Southeast. Walter's has DC's only 220-inch 4K TV. And I work in television, so I can tell you that (laughs) that, that's a nice television. That is. And they also have a 24-tap self-pour beer wall. So whether you want to pour an ounce or a pint, Walter's selection of craft beer should appease all palates. Stop by before or after a Nationals game and check them out. Anyway, that brings us to a very popular segment, uh, The King's Court. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> First on the royal docket, uh, Dave Martinez is mismanaging the bullpen. Sir, how do you roll? I am going to have to find him guilty on this. I'm guilty. Is that what you want to hear? I don't believe that he's necessarily 
putting them in the best positions to succeed. Yeah. And I think he's, you know, not doing a great job of letting guys settle into roles, using Tony Sip as a, a full inning guy <laughs> one day and then a lefty the other day, you know, grinding Doolittle into the ground, which is, is very concerning to me. He just doesn't seem to have much of a feel for the pen. Now, I caveat this with an asterisk that I also find uh, Liliquist guilty as an accessory in this. No one really mentions him, uh, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah. You know, you do know that Davey isn't, wasn't a pitcher or a catcher when he played. He's not a guy that, you know, you would think would have a natural kind of feel for that kind of stuff. Sure, so you're wondering sure. if he's leaning on Liliquist a lot to kind of make some of these decisions. But, you know, this is, I think, a problem. And, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really been very uh, impressed by his, a lot of his decisions so far. Uh, next up on the Royal Docket, uh, the Learners. Are they guilty of being cheap by not signing Craig Kimbrell or giving Rendon whatever he wants in an extension? I find them not guilty. Not guilty. Y'all got to feel me. Look, the Nationals have the fourth highest payroll in the majors. They're yeah. ahead of the Dodgers, the freaking Dodgers with like yeah. more money than God. I mean, the only teams ahead of the Nationals are the Cubs, the Yankees, and the Red Sox. I mean, you can't say that the learners aren't spending money. I think that, that you can say that it's more Rizzo's fault. He's got this huge high payroll team and they're not getting it done. You know, and if I'm the learners, I'm sitting here saying, look, we gave you the fourth highest payroll. You're not, it's not getting it done. You signed this Trevor Rosenthal dude for $7 million, and now you're coming back with your hat open being like, well, actually, I made a mistake, and we need to create a Kimbrel. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, um, yeah. as far as the Rendon signing, I think that'll get done eventually. So, yeah, I can't find them guilty of, of, uh, of that at all. Anyway, that is the uh, King's Court. Um, now we're going to go back to Britt Giroli. Now, obviously, Craig Kimbrell's still out there. Is there any chance the Nats would blow past the luxury tax to get him? Rizzo's kind of been on the record and been pretty vocal about they want to stay under it. So um, I don't know if their minds are, are willing to be changed. I don't know if, it, if it's going to take a certain dire situation for them to say, hey, let's, let's go ahead and do this. Yeah. And I think if you're Rizzo, then you can't really bank on that happening. So you have to go out there and look for the bargains, which is what they've done with Dan Jennings, uh, what they you know almost did with Bud Norris. But What's interesting to me is that Bud Norris was going to take about a week of being shut down to then ramp it up. They didn't want to wait, so we need help now. Yeah, yeah. So if they need help now, where is that help? And people have to remember, if they sign Kimbrel, he's not ready for a, a while here, probably a month. So um, what I would like to see the Nationals do is sign 10 guys like Dan Jennings, put them <laughs> in the minor leagues, and then hope that one guy emerges from the pile. Like the Hunger Games or something, yeah. Just <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't think you can uh, I don't think you can go out there and sign these guys and then hope and pray, pray that they bounce back. I think there's strength in numbers. If you're going to have, if you're, look, if you're bargain shopping, yeah. you're on the clearance rack, get 10 items <laughs> and then see if one of them works. So fans have been calling for Howie Kendrick to start at second and Matt Adams to start at first. Do you think that's where this is heading? You've got to find a way to kind of balance the two because you need Dozier and you need Zimmerman. Um, but also you don't want to waste when guys are seeing the ball yeah. as well as Adams and Kendrick are as well. So I don't think that they should be starting every game. <laughs> uh, people have to keep in mind that you want to keep Howie Kendrick healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, sometimes having Howie Kendrick is better than having no Howie Kendrick uh, at all. Yeah. But I do think that the way this is going, it needs to be a little bit more of a platoon. Uh, looking at the NL East race, is there anything that surprised you? And uh, where do you see it going from here? 
the bullpens all being so bad um, in the middle innings, especially, has surprised me. When we talked about how bad the Nationals' bullpen is, well, the Mets were awful. Yeah. I mean, the walking guys on stop when we were in New York, um, that was surprising. The Phillies as well um, have had some relief issues. I do think that it's a four-team race, and then it's going to be real tough the whole way through, which is exciting. It's fun for fans. It's fun for me. It's probably right now, if you had asked me, it's going to come down to uh, which team can kind of figure out the relief, which team yeah. can figure out their bullpen first, which I didn't see going in. I don't think anybody saw yeah. um, how bad a lot of these bullpens could be. So it's been reported recently that the Learners and Mike Rizzo have reopened negotiations with Rendon. Do you feel like he's a player the Nats have to resign? After they move on from Harper, right? You can always move on from a player. Yeah. But uh, with that being said, I think that Anthony Rendon is a guy that you would like to have around. He always plays hard, and he impacts the game on both sides of the field. When he's not hitting, uh, you know, that defense, the way he plays is important, and he's a special player. So. Yeah. I think if you're the Nats, you have to go go out and try to keep him. I think when you have a guy who really should be a perennial all-star, who hasn't made an all-star game, uh, at third base, and he's young, and he's dynamic, uh, and he's fun to be around, and he's well-liked in that clubhouse, I think you have to do everything possible to keep him. It's a silly question, uh, but this episode we've been trying to come up with a nickname for Soto and Robles. Any ideas on what uh, we could call the two of them? Uh, no. <laughs> no, okay. That's a tough one. We've been struggling with it as well, but I figured maybe you would have had something amazing. No. Okay, uh, we're almost out of time, um, but uh, please let our listeners know how they can keep up with you on social media. And uh, for those who are newer to uh, The Athletic, let us know how we can uh, keep up with your work there. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter, which is uh, always a, f- a fun time, fun place, <laughs> um, which is just my name. It's Brit underscore Giroli. And, uh, yeah, the Athletic is doing some great stuff, um, not just baseball-wise. I mean, I, I enjoy the, the hockey coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice you, you kind of pay one fee and you get to read everything you want, podcasts, stories, all that good stuff. Uh, I am based out of the Athletic DC, so if you go to that page or just the athletic.com slash nationals, check it out if you haven't already. I believe there's like a free week trial, oh, cool. um, a bunch of articles I'll let you read for free before you uh, – have to pull out the credit card, but um, it is it is worth the investment. It, it's very cool. It's almost like a, a Sports Illustrated for your favorite team. Well, thank you so much, uh, Britt, for taking the time. I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Now I'm going to spend the rest of the day trying to think of nicknames for one. So <laughs> <for Robles. laughs> cool. Well, if you come up with any, uh, give us a call back, uh, but we appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks, Britt. All right, uh, that was uh, Britt Giroli. Um, super cool. Uh, you know, she's with the team every day and definitely offered a unique perspective that uh, is a little bit different than, than what we have as fans. Yeah, and I've, uh, you know, been uh, reading The Athletic for a while now, and it's it's definitely one of my favorite publications. So, yeah, that was that was really cool. Anyway, I think that's pretty much our show, Brian. Um, did we come up with a nickname uh, for Robles and Soto? I don't know. I mean, I think we should pick our couple favorites and kick it out to Twitter and see what, what people decide. Let the people, the people, Batman. That's the very people. democratic. Very democratic. Yes, I appreciate know. that. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably be back with you in a couple weeks, month. We're trying to do the show about once a month. Um, Brian, where do you think uh, the team will be looking like uh, when we're back with you towards the end of May? I mean, you know, I'd hope that they uh, kind of shake off their early season cobwebs and settle into the nice groove here. Um, yeah. But what in the last, you know, season and beginning of this season has led you to believe that they're anything other than a 500 club? 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that when we uh, we meet up in a you know a month that uh, we're not uh, talking about the same 500 mediocreness again. So, in the context of last year uh, and the struggles they've had, I mean, it's, it's just really hard to know if they're a good team that's just treading water before they get hot or if they're just a 500 team. You know, it's, I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, and, you know, I think that uh, the division maybe isn't as uh, terrifying as everyone was thinking before the season. All the teams yeah. look like they've got some flaws so far, and the Nats have a good chance of any of, of the other teams in the division, obviously other than the Marlins. Cool. All right, well, I think that's our show. <laughs> we'll cross our fingers and uh, go Nats. Go Nats. Go Nats.